2: Welcome to the Smirkanish Podcast for independent minds.
3: Hey, don't forget my uh, question that is still floating out there, which I will address in a couple of minutes' time. Who, relative to January six, was just quoted as saying, "I thought it was a shame. I hated seeing it. I hated seeing it. It's got to be taken care of. I assumed it was being taken care of." Answer to that in just a couple of minutes' time, but first. We had posted yesterday at com an essay from The Atlantic by my next guest, Julian Zelizer, a history and public affairs professor at Princeton University. He's the editor of a forthcoming book, The Presidency of Donald J. Trump, A First Historical Assessment. I think this is so insightful into former President Trump. Uh, Professor, thank you so much for coming back to the program. Tell us all the story. So word gets out that this is a work in progress. Trump finds out about it. And what then ensued?
4: His, uh, one of his assistants, Jason Miller, contacted me and asked if the president could meet with uh, both me and with whichever contributors wanted to join in some sort of meeting so that he could tell his side of the story and explain how he viewed his presidency. And we had a number of back-and-forth discussions, and and ultimately um, I agreed to do this, and we did it via Zoom instead of in person. And it was a one-hour Zoom meeting with the former president. In other words,
3: he wanted to to be heard. He wanted his moment in court. He wanted to be able to defend his record.
4: That's true. Um, And he didn't actually know what we were writing. There was a story in the New York Times after all the authors had He had met virtually and kind of gone over drafts of the essays, and that's how he found out about this. But, yes, it was almost uh, kind of imagining a a courtroom, and he was going to present his side of the
5: story.
3: Here's the—Professor, I have a sound clip. Here's the way that he began. Let's listen.
5: And uh, it's an honor to be with you. I know uh, many of you through your own success and through reading about you and uh, certainly know your institutions well— And uh, congratulations on that. So if you're doing a book, uh, I would like you to be able to talk about uh, the success of the Trump, uh, the Trump administration. We've had some great people. Uh, We've had some people that weren't so great. And that's understandable. That's true with, I guess, every administration. But uh, overall, we had tremendous, uh, tremendous success, Uh, tremendous success at home with the economy uh, prior to the pandemic uh, we were setting records in every way with unemployment with uh, with uh, the fact that we had 160 million people working no we this country was never even close to that we were respected throughout the world on trade we did uh, we got rid of nafta the worst trade deal ever made and we replaced it with usmca which is mexico canada and We uh, it's been a fantastic boon to the farmers and manufacturers.
3: Professor, I know that that he's given audience to the many who have written books about the Trump years, books that have already come out or will come out before the midterm or before the next election, presidential election. But I have to say this is different. And what surprises me is I'm shocked that he's so concerned about his legacy in the eyes of historians and the way that history will treat him.
4: No, I agree. It's, it's, it's actually very revealing and interesting. Here is someone who, as a leader, uh, was very dismissive of experts and often uh, in adversarial mode with them, and certainly academic historians, uh, it's hard to imagine that being a, a favorite pool of people for him. But yet he was concerned. He reached out. He continually uh, kind of came back to me until finally I, I figured out a way that we could do this, uh, and as you just heard or as you just played, he really was trying trying to make a case. I don't think he totally grasped, you know, how we do this and how historians actually write about the history of a presidency. It's not a back and forth with the person we're writing about. Uh, but clearly, um, this was something that mattered to him, uh, at least at the moment.
3: I think it's also revealing in that he believes that he can convince anyone as long as he gets to be heard. If, if he can be in your company, if he can cajole you, he can win you over. And by the way, that has served him well throughout the course of his private sector and, and public career. You just said something that interests me. So educate myself and my listeners. How do historians approach a task like this?
4: Well, uh, certainly interviews are part of what some historians will do. And if you have a chance to interview a former president, uh, that's always useful, but you usually go to the archives of the president, for example, uh, where you have public documents, and you go through that to try to figure out what happened. You get uh, accounts and information from a range of sources, government sources and, and others, uh, to try to put a presidency in, in broader perspective. It, it's not about meeting with the person you're writing about and almost getting in a back and forth if they're good or bad. Uh, and, and even when you're writing about a recent president, which is the kind of point of the book I'm doing, the goal is that long-term perspective, not the backroom uh, quick assessment of how someone did.
3: I was I was going to say the title of the book in progress is The Presidency of Donald J. Trump, A First Historical Assessment, acknowledging right up front, hey, uh, he only recently left the the White House. But still, isn't it too soon? I mean, shouldn't the dust settle a little bit more before we evaluate what his real record was?
4: Yeah, I mean, some people uh, believe that. I don't. Uh, This is the third book I've done in this series on the presidency, and they've been pretty useful. I mean, historians are always debating uh, presidents. So even the debates about Lincoln, for example, it's not as if they end at a certain moment. And I'm a believer that, it's great to have historians who are seeped in the history of a period, uh, not just the last four years but the last four decades, start the conversation, start to lay out arguments to understand why did things happen the way they did, what exactly was going on b- the kind of above the daily chaos that we read about. Uh, and it's worked. I think, uh, I think these essays have been useful. And historians have a feel for what happened if you lived through it, Uh, that historians five decades from now won't. And so some of those challenges are also virtues.
3: Your interview with him is making news for an additional reason, and that is that at one point he said, quote, when I didn't win the election. Was that a slip of the tongue? What significance did you attribute to that?
4: I mean, it caught me. I remember listening to it, and I was listening carefully as he spoke. And Maybe it was a slip of the tongue. I don't know what's what's in his mind. But but when he said it, it it was notable to me that he would use those words. And uh, at other points in the conversation, he did use the rigged election uh, rhetoric and would couple lost and rigged. Um, But when he said that, uh, you know, it was almost kind of gain a little window into someone who understood exactly what happened. Uh, and for a second removed himself from the political spin that he's been uh, letting on. And that's significant for a lot of people who are hearing it, uh, because it's a different voice than where it used to.
3: Can he get a fair shake from historians, either current historians or future historians?
4: Yeah, I think he can. Look, there's been many controversial presidents, and there's been a lot of great history about those controversial presidents. And... Depends what a, a fair shake is. If that means having historians write, he's the greatest president in the world, uh, I don't know. It, maybe someone will write that. I'm not sure. But in terms of assessing uh, how we understand those four years, uh, I think the authors in this book that I have coming out already do a really good job of that. And I think historians will continue to work on this presidency. Uh, and so, yeah, I think. There'll be a lot of really interesting work about how to understand the years between 2017 and 2021 in Washington politics.
3: You're making me think of the physician. I think his physician has, has since passed, uh, but who gave him not only the Clean Bill of Health, but but who told us that he would be the healthiest, the health, if elected, he would be the healthiest president in the history, I'm sure you remember this, of the United States. That's the kind of historian I think he's probably hoping has a hand in your book.
4: Right. And I don't think he's going to find that historian. That's just not how, how we do our work. Uh, but I think that is what he's searching for. And I think he views the work of historians a little like he views the rest of the world. I mean, he is a salesman through and yeah. through. And he believes right. if he can brand and market, he can convince you.
3: Hey, Professor, one other observation, if I may. His personality tends to dominate, but the man does have a record worthy of defense. At least by conservatives, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's not controversial, but if you put aside the bombast and you talk about his impact on the court or the uh, Operation Warp Speed or the economy on his watch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are a number of things that I've always said if he would simply stick to the record and and get away from some of the controversies like what happened in the last election, he'd probably be a lot better served and received
4: agreed and uh, a lot of what you see in our book frankly is is about his record and, and uh, the impact it had and from a perspective of a Republican uh, or a conservative there was a lot that happened from the courts to deregulation to tax cuts that you know might have served him well politically uh, but his personality dominates and I, I don't think that will change that is who he is but I think you're absolutely right about the record and then on issues of public health there's other elements um, where some uh, observers say he actually masks some of what happened through his own controversial statement. When does the book come out? Next week comes out oh. on uh, April 12th. So it's oh, all, okay. all ready well, to what, go.
3: Okay. When the book comes out, I mean, you're cordially invited to come back after I've had a chance to read it. I, I would really look forward to doing that and we can, we can have a different type of conversation.
4: I would love to do that.
3: Okay, Professor, thank you so much, as always.
4: Thanks for having me.
3: Julian Zelizer is a history and public affairs professor at Princeton University. The book comes out next week. I did not know that. The Presidency of Donald J. Trump, a first
2: historical assessment.
6: This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM.
1: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
4: As you practice each skill,
6: the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
6: Listen to Michael live, weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app.
3: Yeah, I absolutely meant what I just said. There, there is a record of achievement. That, that would stir, conser- well, will stir conservatives. If only he could stick to it. But you know what? I, I'm i the guy still watching the rallies, although I didn't watch, I, I was flying, I think, when, I think I was in the air when he when his most recent rally took place. And yeah, I'm the one still watching, still want to know what's he saying, what's he thinking, what's he doing. And when I hear the same old stories and the same old comments referenced relative especially to the election and to the events of January 6 because if you ran a clock on what percentage of the time he spends uh you know relitigating the election of 2020 and and then the events of January 6 it dominates every one of these look out liberals if Donald Trump could ever rein it in and control himself and use some of his trademark humor and some of his rallying of the troop stuff, but that the mainstay of that speech would be to talk about cutting taxes, the economy on his watch, the pace with which Operation Warp Speed developed a vaccine, the impact that he had on the federal bench, most notably the Supreme Court of the United States, but not just the Supreme deregulation. And again, as I'm saying these things, you may be listening to me and saying, "Well, I didn't like that, or I didn't like that." Well, you're not the intended audience. You know, talking about uh, ending the Iranian deal—so many uh, agreements that had been agreed to by President Obama that he then broke, which would inspire conservatives if they were reminded of it. it it's not possible. It, I mean, here, here, here's the proof that it's not possible. Here is the proof that it's not possible. And this leads me into my trivia question of a moment ago. Yesterday, when Mark Halpern was on the program, we talked about uh, a story that had just gone live by Josh Dawsey at The Washington Post. And it was a story that talked about what happened at Mar-a-Lago on Tuesday night, a reunion of sorts to sip Trump branded wine to snack on a muse bouche of fried shrimp and pastry wrapped hot dogs on the Mar-a-Lago patio and most importantly to relitigate parts of the 2020 election that he lost 17 months ago. The fraud feat on a sweltering spring night showed how much Trump and the ecosphere around him remain focused on the last election and his false claim of fraud And how he now inhabits a cosseted club life where he is the roundly cheered, rarely challenged star who everyone pays to see. As he traversed the club, he repeatedly asked guests and members about fraud in certain states and offered vague claims of explosive findings that he said were still to come. You can just picture the whole scene, right? And the purpose of The Gathering was the debut of a 42-minute film called Rigged. The Zuckerberg funded plot to defeat Donald Trump. I love how they work Zuckerberg into it. We could debate, by the way, what's really being said by working Zuckerberg into the title of that. Uh, this was Citizens United and David Bossi, who apparently are, are behind it <clears throat> anyway. So when Mark was here yesterday, we were talking about, hey, like, how did Josh Dossey get in? That really wasn't revealed in the piece. The piece is really interesting. Was he invited? Was he an interloper? Uh, and and Mark made the observation that, you know, with his trained journalistic eye that he found typos that are unaccustomed to something that goes to press in the Washington Post, which told Mark they really rushed this thing to get it out there. Okay, that's yesterday's news. So today there's a follow-up by Josh Dawsey and I I, when I saw this and I I tweeted it I said that there just aren't words like I couldn't figure out what's the word I'm trying to I'm trying to find for this dateline Palm Beach Florida former president Donald Trump voiced regret Wednesday Wednesday regret on Wednesday so this was the day after the day after the, the big shindig former president Donald Trump voiced regret Wednesday over not marching to the U.S. Capitol the day his supporters stormed the building and he defended his long silence during the attack by claiming, wait for it, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and others were responsible for ending the deadly violence. for Ending the deadly violence. And this should be for not ending, shouldn't it?
7: Well, well it's missing it there. was their responsibility to end it.
3: Yeah. OK, but there's not a word I hope left out of this. Here's the here's the the. The quote that flabbergasted me, if that's proper English. So this is Trump on Wednesday. Okay? Yesterday. This is the former president yesterday in terms of how he looks back at the events of January 6th. I don't know what the word is for this. Cajones, maybe. But I, I, something something more appropriate than that. Quote, I thought it was a shame. Can I just stop right there? Does anybody believe... That as he he looked at the flat screen on the afternoon of January 6th after he got back to the White House, having fired up the troops, having unleashed the dogs, that what was running through his mind was what a shame this is. Oh, my God. It's such a shame. It is just such a shame. And I, I kept asking, literal quote from him, I kept asking, why isn't she doing something about it? Why isn't she doing something about, okay, so just imagine like an hour prior, he's at the podium saying, we are going to fight like hell. Or was that Rudy? One or the other of them. And today he asks us to assume or accept that he was saying, I thought it was a shame. I kept asking, why isn't she doing something about it? Why isn't, get ready for it. Because this is now going to be the narrative. You will now hear this as part of the narrative. Why didn't Pelosi do something about it? Overlooking, of course, the fact that he scheduled the event on that day at that time, leaned on Pence, was relying on on the the memo from Eastman, fired up the people with his words, but now asks us to believe that he thought it was a god-awful shame and, and that Pelosi should have done something about it. Shame on Nancy Pelosi. Okay, I'll stop interrupting myself and I'll just read you this paragraph literally. I thought it was a shame and I kept asking, why isn't she doing something about it? Why isn't Nancy Pelosi doing something about it? And the mayor of D.C., too. The mayor of D.C. and Nancy Pelosi, they're in charge. This is what he said in a 45 minute interview with the Washington Post. So I guess Dossie attends the party on Tuesday night and then gets him for 45 minutes, one-on-one on Wednesday. And then the most incredible part, quote, I hated seeing it. What was he, th- what was he thinking as he was, of, you know, again, notwithstanding how much time it took him to finally go out under duress in the Rose garden and tell everybody he loved them, you know, go home with peace and love or some such thing. I hated seeing it. I hated seeing it. And I said, it's got to be taken care of. And I assume they were taking care of it. So for those hours that went off the clock, what was it? You know, he spoke from from 12 to 1 or 1 to 2 and all the way up until 6. Don't hold me to it, but I'm roughly correct. You should know that he was behind closed doors at the White House, just overwrought with this shame. I thought it was a shame. I, I kept asking, why isn't she doing something? Where's Nancy Pelosi? I hated seeing it. I hated seeing it. and I said it's gotta be taken care of. And I assumed they were taken care of. I don't I know that I've not seen him in an interview adopt this position. That he was he was just crestfallen. It was horrible. And he hated it. It was a shame. And you know who's at fault? Pelosi. And the and that mayor of, of D.C. Yeah, that mayor of D.C. I'm, I'm sure Trump is upset that they've they've repainted, you know, a portion of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Black Lives Matter, where he appeared at the church with the Bible. So this is his way to get back at the mayor, too. And and he'll just repeat that. And that will become the, the mantra. It's amazing. I don't have words for it. I, I still don't have a word for it. And there are a lot of other priceless items in this uh, interview. But that's the stunner. All right, ladies, and uh, no, we haven't talked about him for a while. I don't want to hear that. And by the way, I'm going to continue to talk about him, for better or for worse. Didn't I just say, I'm already addressing callers whose voices you haven't heard. Didn't I just say, the man has a list of accomplishments If he stuck to those accomplishments and spoke of them to his base, he'd be very hard to defeat. Very hard to defeat in a general election. He just can't help himself. But I just gave him his props by saying there's a record out there, a legitimate record on which he can run and win. But, you know, the personality gets in the way. I thought it was a shame. I I kept asking, why isn't Ivana Ivanka? <laughs> Jared, <laughs> why someone, have, anyone? Stephen Miller. What? What? Uh, this is horrible. Where's Pelosi?
1: She's Where in, is she's Pelosi? She's in charge. She's, in, she's charge. in
3: charge. How long until a caller calls me and says that? Well, you know, Pelosi actually turned away a request for national guard. I'm sh- I'm sure there'll be a They're grain of now. truth. They're dying. <laughs> somebody's going to tell me that. But come on, the, the arsonist. The arsonist is now saying that the fire department, the fire department was was inept. They should have had more hoses, notwithstanding the matches that he carried.
6: Come on, please. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius
2: XM. Spring, is that you?
6: Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Barbara, you're in
3: Cortez, Colorado. Greetings.
7: Greetings. Um, I'm going to try to read that book about Trump's presidency because I've been so distracted for the past four years about things he said like yesterday, that I don't really have the picture of his presidency and what he's accomplished. So to be fair to the man, and in case, have forbid, he runs again, I'm going to try to find out what he did that they feel is good.
3: Well, remember, it's not, they're going to tell you what's good and bad because they're historians right. and that, that is going to be their approach. Um, but what you're saying is, I think, to my point, you get so caught up in the bombast although you didn't use that word, that it's hard to see through it and then assess what just went on here.
7: Exactly. So uh, I'm going to try to read the book. And uh, I know there are people who feel he did a lot of good and perhaps he did, but I just don't know about it because of all the things he said like yesterday.
3: Got it. Barbara, thank you for that observation uh ira here's what it says on my screen that you are ira that you are on long island and that you have the word that i was searching for i have since jotted a word down i wonder i wonder if we've come up with the same word i i have trouble spelling my word but i can say it you go first uh chutzpah tc look at me look at me tc he has it he I wrote have it. it. Wrote it I exactly. Have it. I read uh, that as exactly way, what you wrote I spelled down. it as C H U T Z A
7: H. Uh that you know what? I can Close say enough. it but I can't spell it. How's
3: that? <laughs> yeah, Hutzpah, right? That's unbelievable. Hutzpah. Yes. No no matter what I the facts are. Thing... Yeah, go ahead you say it.
7: Yeah. Kluxu, it, it takes uh, cajones to another level. It really does.
3: It is so so okay. stunning. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I, I neglected to say it when. Oh, I'm glad I didn't. I, I'm I'm glad I uh, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't. Uh, this is uh, Glenn in New Jersey. Hey, Glenn, what are you thinking?
7: Hey, Michael, how you doing? Um, Hi, fellow Hi. Philly guy here. By the way, good. Uh, Lincoln High in Philly, Northeast Philly. Nice. Uh, uh, one quick thing that I read the article that you were just talking about Trump and the thing that bothers me more than anything else is when he continues to say these things to these reporters, why doesn't anyone ask him to produce the evidence? He always says it's coming out in two weeks or, or a week or soon <laughs> or, you know, why doesn't anybody say, like, if he has this evidence in his hand, if I lost the presidency due to fraud – I would be screaming it from the mountaintops, not on Newsmax or anything like that. I would go right to CNN, Anderson Cooper or yourself and say, here's my evidence. Why doesn't anybody do that? Well, so
3: one person tried to do that. There's an interview. I'm I'm just kind of racking my brain as to think of examples that would give you what you were looking for here. Here's the best that I can do. Within the last three months, there was an interview with a guy from NPR who apparently had been after Trump literally for years to get him on his program. His name will come to me, and, and I'm, I'm not thinking of it right away. And th- this guy came, and I thought in a very appropriate, in a very civil way, he came loaded for bear on all the fraud cases, really knew his stuff. Okay. And the phone conversation, okay. see if you can find it. And and Trump, the, the interview was supposed to go for you know 15 minutes, and at the end of eight, Trump had enough, and he just said, you know, thanks very much,
7: and boom, that was the end of it. Um, You can't get... The only one I ever saw call him out was David K. Johnston got him to the point where when he wrote that book, The Making of Donald Trump, I read that, and Donald Trump called him and said, David, what are you up to? And he said, everything in here is factual, and I think it was the New York Times had his back in case he tried to have litigation against him. Right. Right. So yeah, he didn't do I
3: I, he didn't do I, I know I know of who you're, you're you're speaking. TC, did you find what I'm I'm telling uh, Glenn yeah, about? pressed
1: on his election lies. Former President Trump cuts NPR interview short. Inskeep, um, who who did
7: the? That's uh... what
3: I'm
1: trying to I'm trying to say. Hang on.
3: Okay, you you'll you'll work on that and circle back. Thank you very much. This is uh, Mark in Chesapeake, Virginia. Hey, Mark. Greetings.
7: Yeah, my you know I'm a Trump I'm a Trump supporter, and um you know to your point of being the. The professor to all of us on learning to change the channel frequently. Yeah. Apparently, the caller you had a while ago, the lady that you called, she said she could never remember of anything good he did. That's a perfect example of staying locked on CNN or MSNBC without ever delving around and, and checking out what's going on. Because if you don't think Trump did anything right in his four years, you've had your head in the sand.
3: You heard me say there is a record of accomplishment in the eyes of conservatives that, I mean, you you hand that record to any other conservative yeah. in office, they would they would they would accept it in a heartbeat. Like if I said to you, Mike, Hey, Marco, it's not
7: about you. it was the callers. It's not you, Mike. You're the one that has taught a lot of people to change the channel. But it just shows you how many people are locked on their own channel and refuse to look. Well, at there's the no doubt. Picture of
3: I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. And okay. by the way, I'm going to tell you something else. Uh, There's an academic booked on tomorrow's program. When I do headlines, you'll hear about this. There was a study done of people who are hardcore Fox viewers. They were incentivized, that means paid, to not watch Fox and to only watch CNN. And what it then did to their opinions is pretty significant and not all that surprising. It's posted. It's for Connish.com today. It's in the newsletter. And tomorrow, the academic who did the study led the study will be here. And of course, I will want to discuss what would happen in reverse. Right. What, what if you took a, a, a group, a sample size of CNN viewers or MSNBC viewers and you said, please stop watching and only watch Fox. How might it impact
6: their thinking?
2: The Smirkanish Podcast for Independent Minds.
6: Listen to Michael Smirkanish live, weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, or anytime on the SXM app.
2: Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at smirconish.com.
0: Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. Visit Alberts.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A L L B I R D dot code SUPER24.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or.